Welcome to the Territorial Fae Podcast, a podcast where boozy fae females discuss bookish adventures. Hey guys, welcome back to the Territorial Fae Podcast. I'm host Alicia. I'm Amanda. And I'm Kaylee. And today we are going to be talking about Beyond the Wand by Tom Felton. We are, I know this comes after, we actually just mentioned it in last week's episode uh, that we were all listening to it because who wouldn't want to listen to Tom Felton? Right. For For seven hours. (laughs) The fact that he narrates the book makes it so much more personable, I feel like. Yeah, definitely wouldn't have been as good with somebody else no Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't have listened to it if it was somebody else so I really like when the the author for the autobiographies Mm -hmm. like narrate it and if I would (laughs) have read it I wouldn't have got his sarcasm or his little like chuckles that he does his little laughs were so cute (laughs) but he like adds in like and I'm I need a copy of the book right now. I, mm-hmm. I need it so I can read it or just like have it. But I want to see how he puts his little sarcastic comments in it, like how it is formatted on the book, because I just felt like he was telling me a story Yeah, when he was narrating it to us. Yeah. And you really felt like you were part of it. Like you were on the set of Harry Potter growing up as this 13 year old little asshole kid, you know, because I mean, he t- oh, the my most favorite part, not most favorite, but one of the funniest parts is when Tom starts talking about his brothers and he was like, yeah, I got the Harry Potter part, but I, I never had a big head because I, you know, I'm the youngest and they all called me maggot. So if <laughs> I ever got a big head, they would just call me maggot and I'd know my police. <laughs> I was like, yes, that's what's up. I thought that was funny too. Like when I was listening to it, he never once came off until the end, which ended mm-hmm. up being a a problem for him which we'll get into but never once did he come off as being hey I'm a movie star pretentious yeah Draco Malfoy not at all like he was just like yeah uh I almost I like got arrested for hiding weed I went fishing I went back to my normal school and I just don't know tell my mom (laughs) yeah but he did also kind of state that he knew he was a dick yeah a little bit (laughs) But isn't that like why he got the part, right? Uh-huh. Yes, because because of how he spoke to Hermione. He had, you know, he'd been on the set of The Borrower, so he was kind of like an old hat at the the job, and he's there getting ready to. Um, it's not interview. What's the word? Audition. And this little bushy haired nine year old girl comes up to him, and she's like, "What's that?" And I love the way he voices them when they're little. It's so funny. <laughs> um and he's like oh it's a it's a mic don't you know anything and that is why he got the call back because he was such a dick or when he's like they're in line I'm like what part would you like to see and Chris Columbus comes up to him and he's all like oh fuck I haven't read these books so he goes to audition for Harry Potter and he hasn't read the books and he's like and the guy next to him was like oh yeah Gringotts yeah, I really like to see Gringotts. That'd be so cool. Like he thought it was yeah. like a creature. A creature. Yeah, <laughs> like you mean the bag? 
<laughs> and they knew he was bullshitting. Oh, like, he, but he just keeps playing it off. He's like, he's like, mm, oh well, and just keeps playing it off. <laughs> and then his mom calls him and tells him, "You got the part." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, cool, mom. Can I go back outside and play with my friends?" <laughs> cool, cool, great. I'm in a movie. Woo, woo. Like I'm just so he kept a level head and. Mm-hmm. and I, do you think it's because he had the brothers or, or do you think it's because he it, like he was he went back to like normal life after like in between movies like probably a mix and and probably also his personality as well I feel like that had a big part to play in it and the way that he was raised you know I feel like his parents really kept them down to earth and his granddad he even says you know was such a big inspiration for him and and did go to this his granddad was his caretaker on set or whatever they call them um because they all of the kids that were on set had to have like a 24 7 like babysitter somebody to say hey go to your go to your studies hey do this hey I thought it was crazy it was like a stopwatch you know while they were on set it was a stopwatch of three hours being on set stopwatch down to the second and then three hours doing your studies and down to the second because they could only have what six hours a day on set as children something like that it gets yeah. more as you're older and yeah. then they needed exactly three hours of tutoring a day yeah yeah I, I, well, and that's probably because it was in england you know in in the united states it'd probably be like you don't fucking need any school <laughs> i think it is different here we yeah. started watching number one last night and i remembered where he said his grandpa was so i saw him last night I wanted Uh to watch number one specifically just to see where his grandpa he's got Um, this like really white hair in it because he said he was on this on the side he said he was in two parts like at the very beginning Mm -hmm. when they're all sitting at the table and then again uh when the troll when Quirrell comes in about the troll so that's (laughs) the part I like remembered to look and I saw him in that part didn't he say he was also when they were playing Quidditch for the first yeah. time yep i love that i i think that's so funny that they like saw him and was like you need a do you want to be a wizard and they put right. him do you want to be a wizard it's like uh yeah i want to be a wizard fuck yeah yeah uh, wasn't his grandfather like super dirty mouth and stuff too like he was super well i guess a lot of most british people are like a lot of british people are very foul mouth i love it so much yep I like that he says bruv. Bruv, I know. It's my favorite. After watching Ted Lasso and and hearing all the different British accents and that, I'm like, I want to be somebody that says bruv. Bruv? Let's talk about it, bruv. His, um, I, I really liked that even from the beginning of the book, he kind of starts mentioning mental, mental illness, not in relation to himself, but in relation to his, his brothers specifically. And I feel like at some point he's like, but we'll get back to that later. Yeah, uh, he says, like, remember, this is a big part of it or something like that. Right. I really liked that. He started kind of, like, weaving that in at the very beginning. And as soon as I, as soon as he mentioned his girlfriend, I obviously had to Google her because. Did you I haven't Googled her Oh, yet. I didn't. Oh, I didn't. I Googled her, her. She's very cute. Um, I mean, they're not together anymore. But Jacob actually knew that. Like, he was, he listened to some of the book with me. Because um, y'all know I go to sleep listening to a book every night. And currently sad note right now we're listening to the witcher very good um but it it was it was really really good it was really interesting how 
their story developed and then Jake was like oh yeah is that that you know girl he met on set I'm like how do you know that yeah I didn't know that and I didn't know that he had any sort of issues either because I never saw that like in the media me neither neither. like I saw Daniel Radcliffe's and I was actually really excited like happy that he didn't put his in there Mm -hmm. when talking about his own he like really left that out yeah, because it's totally not his story to tell. Yeah. What were you going to say, Leash? I didn't know that he had a problem either. It was like yeah. a big shock for me. I really me liked how he went, like his life growing up, and then mm-hmm. he would dive into certain aspects and then certain people and how they yeah. affected his life. Like his you brother know? that was that was on set with him, like when his grandfather couldn't be or when his mother couldn't be, his brother was like, yeah, let's uh stay up all night and let's go fishing all fishing. night and, go to work. and I'll sleep all day and you go to work. Right? Like, I know, or, but he brought, his, he brought his brother a car. I That was so uh, sweet. Got my soul. And his brother was like, thanks, man. Thanks so much. He just, just like, like stopped the car and like grabbed his face. Yes. And, you I know, can just like, see them screaming. Like, because he's like, I couldn't drive yet, but I had the money to buy this car. And he's like, and we drove up with like a bag full of Tesco, which living in England, I know exactly what Tesco is. And I love it. You know, a Tesco bag full of money. Mm-hmm. You know? I just, I was, I don't know. I really like that he's very family oriented. Oriented. And he his really mom, who was mm-hmm. just amazing you know every step of the way yeah and how he even at the end he like when and we'll get into more of his problems when he's like I miss my mom and I was like oh my gosh I hope my kids miss me one day (laughs) I know know? I was the same way I like wanted to get up and hug Bella like (laughs) (laughs) um but I was so I was laying in bed because I was talking to Derek last night about today's episode and I thought it was just so funny some of the when he talked about some of the people, but like about the different Dumbledores, right? Like Dumbledore. I freaking love the way you say that. <laughs> Dumbledore. Dumbledore. With like Richard Harris. And first how he didn't realize that these actors and actresses were like amazing people. Right. But how Richard Harris is like, you're good. You you're know? Good. And he and was like, Am I really? Dude, I live up to that. <laughs> so cute. But when, what's his name? Um, what the was the story one. he told about Gary Oldman? Oh. Uh, no, but I, what he said about that? That mm-hmm. Oh, yes, I do. But like, I'll, I'll say in a second how he didn't know it was him. And he thought he oh was my a God. And he's like, oh, oh yeah, nice yeah. floors, mate. They're really good. <laughs> Finds out later it was Gary Oldman and he thought he was the cleaning guy. Like, how do you even, I'm just so confused, but I was like dying when, you know, it was the scene where he has to kill Dumbledore. And so he, like the director was all like, you know, this is where we have to put vulnerability, this movie. Mm -hmm. And so it was the first time he really had to really act and bring something to Draco Mm -hmm. and he practiced and he knew everything perfectly. And then of course, when they start acting he forgets his lines and it's like take after take and they go outside for a breath of fresh air which is a I love that a breath of fresh air <laughs> and what's his name is it is it Michael Gammon uh who Gambit is Gambit? That it? uh the exactly. uh, the later Dumbledore but he's all like 
dude, I don't care. Do you know how much they pay me for being here? Just right? messing up. Fucking <laughs> up. It's fun. I was like, what? They're paying me so much. But he it took the pressure off of him. It did. I liked um when they were filming the scene where they're all kind of walking out after Dumbledore's dead and they're and Snape is like, don't step on my fucking cloak. And Draco was like, or Tom was like terrified. And then of course he steps on it. Yeah. Two times. <laughs> well, he stepped on it once and somebody else stepped on it the second time because he was so relieved the second time. Oh, yeah. So he was just like, it wasn't me this time. I, the whole um, Alan Rickman parts were one of my favorites because yeah, he was saying how much in character Alan mm-hmm. stayed through everything and it showed him he learned a lot from that when it came to people visiting set like they wanted to see the character yeah and then later he found out like all this time like alan would have a smirk on his face so he Mm -hmm. was enjoying himself but he just stayed in the character and just shows all the different i don't know i liked seeing how the different like major actors and actresses interacted with him Yeah. yeah I liked that um, that he brought up the fact that Alan Rickman had like the most charities come visit him on set because he was such a charitable individual and and wanted to get, especially children's charities and wanted to give back and he was a complete dick to them, but that was part of his you know character, and I, I know Draco said that some kids came and he was like oh hey how you doing you know are you having a good time and they the kids were like crestfallen because he Draco was nice to them and then he sees Alan be an asshole and everybody's like terrified but loving it so I, I really liked that that made me it made my heart happy but it made my heart sad since Alan Rickman has passed like I was like man he is such a good dude was it him that wanted him to have the the tall direct like chair too do you remember yes. that part? yeah oh that was so nice <sighs> that was nice that yeah was- for listeners who don't know what we're talking about all the kids had smaller chairs and the Adults had, you know, big size, normal size director's chairs. And as they grew, Tom continued sitting on his little chair and um, he was sitting with Alan Rickman and um, Helen. What? Helen um, Beatrix Lestrange. I don't oh, know. oh uh, Helen Bottom Carter. Yeah. Freaking love her. And best. she's at the absolute best. And they, uh fucking alan rickman got up and was like no he needs a he he needs an, an adult chair somebody needs to come get him an adult chair he he's w- an adult now like this is not okay and i thought that was so nice i also really liked how it was alan who was like snape needs long billowy mm-hmm. or cloak yeah. a long billowy cloak like it. yeah well, did anybody else did you catch the piece where he said that alan knew something yes jkr told alan rickman the end how the ending right Mm -hmm. but he says it in passing so quick and all he says was like alan always knew and then he like changes to something else Mm, i didn't catch that but he did know the ending he's the only one who knew that that's why I caught it because I knew that he knew that, but I was like, yeah. man, he just said that like really fast and didn't elaborate on anything at all. <laughs> yeah, he probably what he probably just didn't want to tell anybody else's story, but also, and 
listeners might not like to hear this and I apologize if you don't, but I appreciate the fact that he did not disparage JKR. No, he did not bring that entire fiasco into it because he is still grateful for the story that gave him his career. He is grateful for the story that gave him Draco Malfoy. And I really appreciated that. No, he doesn't bring it in at all. And he like praises her too. When he talks about Mm -hmm. that, like letter that she sent to him that he still has. Like he has framed. Yep. Which I appreciate that. Like her stories gave him a shot and I, and I know that so many people are very upset with her and that's valid like everybody has a has their own emotions and their feelings and they have a right to them but we also have to remember that JKR did come from an abusive relationship emotional and physical that she escaped from on welfare with her child and scrounged from the bottom of anything and we still have to give props for that I feel like a lot of times we just are like write her off for you know some comments that she made and I don't I really I don't know I don't think that's fair and my thing with this especially now with Hogwarts Legacy out and it's been a huge topic of people Mm -hmm. trying to boycott it and whatnot because of her and I think after 20 something years now of of the story and I get that Joe, like JKR, is a public figure and she's the right. one who wrote it. But after 22, 25, whatever it's been now, years. 98 is when it came out. The story is more ours. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hers anymore. Right. And so it's like, if I can separate the story from the person, yeah, she gets royalties. She's always going to get royalties. She creates yeah. the story. But everything that comes from it now, I feel like it's more ours. It's it's ours to do with it as we want. Um, and the because story. we grew up with these. I mean, Alicia and I know. I'm not sure, Amanda, when you started reading them, but Alicia and I were 10 years old when we started reading these books, and now we're 34, and I was that eight. is how we've we've been reading these books for 24 years. <laughs> like, I think I I brought that do, up. Amanda. Yeah, like this, this is weekend. Like, these are our family. Like, I, I think I brought it up this weekend with like people because they were like, I was reading it. I read it earlier. It's like, or um something. I was like, but you don't understand. When I read it, I read it. I started reading it in fifth grade. This the, right. I got it with Christmas of fifth grade. I was so in third grade. All the, all the problems Harry went through, the fighting with his friends, the, um I think it was um at work, actually, I was saying this. Uh, like a lunch um it was like all those social things like the I went through too so with I I grew time. up with them like they were my friends we went through the same problems you know the boyfriends uh yeah. feelings you know and I I went when I was 18 to get the last book at my first base when and then last you know when I was alone in Nellis and my you know, they were alone finding the Horcruxes, you know, when they're 17, 18. So it's, I literally grew up at the same time they did. So that's why I feel like I get it. And I, yeah, and I understand sure. and no way do I like support anything that's negative that comes from it, but I can separate the story. Cause I feel like the story is now more mine than it is 
anybody yeah. else. Yeah. Well, and, you know, as a little shout out to Hogwarts Legacy, I really appreciate that they, and they don't use he and she for the main character. They use they, and I appreciate that so freaking much. I think that's so cool because you can have, you know, a, a masculine female or a feminine male and, or, you know, whatever you want. And, and the voices, you can change their voices and they call them they. And I like, I was like, this is great. This is well, great. The three broomsticks. Um, S- Serona is her name. Yeah, she's transgender. She's got a really, yeah, she's got a really deep voice. And yeah. she's like, you know, they just think I'm a, they, it was very long that they thought I was a male, but I'm a woman. Right. So she like flat out says that in the storyline. Well, I kind of read it as, or listened to it as, they thought she was a male because that was the stereotypical, you know, like that was what she was born as, but she transitioned into being female is kind of what I took it as. Oh. And I was, I was like, that's so cool. I really appreciate that they did that. And thanks, babe. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot I was on the recording. Jacob bought me my money. Anyway, back yeah, to back- Ellen. Back to Tom, and he did say, you know, that he grew up on the set with these characters, and he, like, to kind of bring it back to you saying you grew up with these characters, he did as well, but it's funny, because he's older than all the other kids were, and I didn't realize that Hermione was only nine when, when nine. this was- That's my son! Yeah. That's your daughter right now playing Hermione, right now, at her <laughs> maturity, her age, her whatever. I couldn't even fathom it. Addie, Addie could totally do that. Oh, well, Addie could do it, right? For like, sure. you asked me how old she was last night when we were watching. I was like, Addie, she's nine. And she's all, what? Yeah, <laughs> like, Addie, Addie, Addie totally, could totally do it, yeah. Like, Emma Watson did it, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, I can't fathom a nine-year-old. Like, when I was nine, I don't, I don't know if I could I'm do horses. <laughs> I mean, I was in the woods. <laughs> I think I was, like, climbing trees. What are you drinking, Amanda? Is that it's an energy, energy drink? Uh, I'm drinking mimosas. Alicia's drinking nothing. I don't have a drink. I can't believe she didn't yell at me for not having water in front of me. I, I considered it. <laughs> considered it. But yeah, I, I love that he grew with, you know, Draco, and it it some of the some of the things definitely broke my heart. But he he was a little jokester. He was like, yeah, me and so and so, we're gonna go and. St- we weren't supposed to bring our skateboards because we might get hurt and that's expensive, but we did. And then we got yelled at and I was a bad influence. Well, yeah, him and whoever played Crab and Goyle, they were besties outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. And he said that they like, that the main crew and them, they were like yep. separate. Just like, just they, like were they were. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I thought that was really cool. Did he say anything about taking anything from set? I don't remember. His like, brother took stuff from set. Oh, uh, and didn't he sell it for like charity? And he for gave charity. Yeah, he sold it to charities. Yeah. That's so fun. Good for him. I, I would have done part. the same thing. Are you kidding? I would have had a whole room of stuff from the set. Except I'm sure he took it stuff for me. <laughs> Everybody better keep their own wand. Guys, the best part I think was when they made the rubber Draco that Hagrid has to carry. Oh and my and God. His mom. <laughs> he was freaking her out with it. Oh my. All I, I could see was, no, I'm not going to say that. That's and a then I'm so sad that I I went to the Harry Potter studio tour twice and I didn't see this. Little I didn't baby see Draco it either. Either we I don't remember if I saw it. 
I didn't. I I'll saw the Rose Voldemort thing that's under the bench in the Ugh. last movie, but I didn't see the baby Draco. Dude, all I could think about was um, the creepy ass Renesmee doll that I saw in Forks, oh. Washington, in the, they have like a little museum of, of stuff that they use for filming. And that doll is fucking creepy. And that was all I could think about. Listen, I need to go watch Prisoner of Azkaban First, I finished the third audiobook recently anyway, but I need to watch it just to see if I can see if like Draco is Oh, speaking of Prisoner of Azkaban, the scene where Hermione slaps him in the face. Oh my gosh, yes. He practiced for that. And he was like, oh yeah, like you think you can, he, he was like, yeah, I was mansplaining to her. That was on me uh he's like you think you can like go ahead why don't we practice why don't we practice and I totally meant practice not full-fledged hit me in the face she punched him full-on punched him with her fist no I think she smacked him in the tent okay yes yes like just round up a smack and then he's like I try not to show my tears I just like oh yeah then he walks off and cries I love that he admits that. Way to go. Way to go, Tom. We love that about you. Oh, the friendship, guys. Oh, when she went to visit him. Just like. Bless their hearts. I, are they skateboarding on the timeout? When they talk about them, he, he talks about them like longboarding, right? I think it was the same board. I were think they on the same board? I think they were. And she was like holding on to him. Uh, I got to look for. There's got to be pictures of that somewhere. I'm going to Google it. Right I now. feel like I'm. Maybe I don't know. seen it. Their relationship like is just so sweet. How they started off like, you know, obviously him being a dick at the auditions. And yeah. then they just I they just grew and then he realized that he could help her because he was a veteran, you know, uh actor. And then he helped her talk to those fans. Yes. When she got super Why nervous. are they so cute? Oh, God, they're so cute. And I loved how he explained, like, I know you guys want us to love each other a certain way. And he's like, there, yeah. there, were, there were parts in our lives when we did, right? Yeah, like, not at the same time. Not at the same time. And when he found out that she had a crush on him from the hairdresser, mm-hmm. and then he had a crush on her at one time, and then yeah. someone asked him, like, you love her. Uh, who was it? Like his his girlfriend at the time, not Jade, but a different girlfriend. And he's like, I do, but not in that way. Like they yeah. have this love that's not, I don't know. It's not romantic. And at times, sure, it you know, one person was felt romantically and another person felt romantically. But again, Emma was very young when she had a crush on Tom. So that was, you know, it was the pure childlike first crush type love. And honestly, if I was on the set with all of those guys, he's all he's the one I would have had a crush on too. I mean, I, and it's hilarious because Bella is completely obsessed with Ron she thinks he's so hot you think he's so hot Bella is in love with him guys he's Fred so Weasley. Okay. I, know Fred Weasley <laughs> I don't know I don't feel like I ever like I think Tom Draco would have been the twins or Ron for me yeah Bill yeah. Weasley I love the fact too how he explains how life is not the same for Emma 
Right. Yes. Oh God. Y'all, my feminist heart went. And how you wore the feminist shirt to like Emma's loving, you know, like. Yes. He, he was wearing a shirt that, um, I think maybe even when they were out skateboarding, he wore. Guys, I can't right now. Oh I think God. it's in that picture. It said like women do it better or something. Yes, like that. that was it. Women do it better. And she really enjoyed that because Emma Watson is a feminist and um, shout out to her. You're the bomb. But he he did. He brought up how Emma was only nine when she started this journey and so much more pressure from the media was put on her and pressure to be beautiful and pressure to have a boyfriend and pressure for this and <clears throat> how that was so unfair that she had to deal with that and he didn't realize it growing up but the older he got the more he realized that she did have to deal with a lot more than they did and the fact that she was so much younger I mean a nine-year-old versus a 13-year-old that's my oldest versus y'all's oldest and you know them their maturity level so that would be Addie or Bryson versus Bella's maturity level and that's that's a big gap it's only a couple of years, but it's a big gap. Well, you and, see her struggle in the reunion too, how she wanted to quit. Yeah. Like, that's like, I want her to write a book. I would love to her, her side of the story because I didn't know that she wanted to quit at all. I didn't either until the reunion. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if, if like her friendship with Tom like was a big and his like support for her stay yeah Mm -hmm. was a big oh the fact that they were so mean to her and made her cry because they like made fun of her dance routine they laughed at her dance show oh he and he said he still feels like shit to this day but he went and apologized he did he did but that is so what nine-year-olds do because when Addie has her friends over they're downstairs in the basement and they're and they're like coming up with songs or Nine. doing little dances and then they're like they make all the parents come down and watch their little shows and I'm like that is such a nine-year-old thing to do but like I don't think I would ever ask a 12-year-old boy at I nine years old to come watch my show <laughs> I did that till I was 14 we have video camera evidence of me doing this at 14 but or I did it for parents not like oh we did boys. too we, did, we well we did it for parents yes you know what I loved? It was a, what it was, one of the hairdressers that told him you need to go apologize. You made her upset. And I really yes. loved how Tom highlights all of his relationships with the crew, how mm-hmm. he actually became members or uh, friends with the crew members mm-hmm. more, even more so than the actors. So that last day saying goodbye to the crew was just mm-hmm. as hard for him than like, saying goodbye to the The cast the the big actors because harry potter has a hell of a cast i mean it had epic people from the british freaking like the biggest names in british acting in that film all the films i really hated that he wasn't that he said he wasn't there for everybody else's last day of filming oh me too they were all together together yep they should have done like, um, and I'm sure they did like a, a big party afterwards where everybody was like loving each other and crying because it was over because that was, I mean, that was their entire childhood. I wish they would have done it, you know, cause it reminds me of my Italian hand. It, oh, reminds, 
It reminds me of the last scene of, I think it's the last scene of the Avengers of Infinity Wars. The last scene, I believe, is when they're all together when Iron Man dies or something like that. And they're all there. So, yeah. so I wish it was the Battle of the Hogwarts when they're all outside sitting there and Voldemort's like, come over here, Draco or whatever. Because they yeah. were all there. If they just Whoa. ended on that scene. And he did bring that that exact scene up because he was like, yeah, what's, I, don't, I don't ever remember the guy's name who plays Voldemort. Do you? Um, It is Ralph, friend, friend um, Ralph something. I just well, watched the like, menu with him in it, which was oh, yeah. that movie was wild. So he he was like he he kept improvising it, and every time he would walk by him, he would do something different. And he, you know, just kind of improvised hugging him one time, and that's the one that ended up in the film. And it was so creepy and awkward. Yeah, that was, yeah. That he's was like, I love when he was describing that, and he was, what did he say? He's like, I saw him lift his hands a little, and I was like, it's. Is he, gonna is he trying to hug me? So I, I like paused for a second and then kept going. And then he did hug me. And he's like, even I got weirded out. <laughs> yeah. Because Voldemort is hugging me. Ew. But that was such a cool scene to me. And can we just please touch on the fact that Voldemort fucking disappears into nothing? Because I hate it. Oh, me too. Hate. He did not disintegrate. What the fuck? Or the, like, uh, and he even said the whole... <laughs> when that does that happen i have to i'm glad i'm re-listening to these because he's like the scene where draco throws the wand to harry did that happen in the books yes yeah no did no okay no no i'm thinking of when draco threw the wand to him no no i don't think so we've gone over this in in our harry potter episode you 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 read the whole last piece i did didn't i okay (laughs) No, I was thinking that they filmed that scene and it didn't make it into the movie. They filmed all of Peeves in the first movie. In the first movie. That's some bullshit. Peeves is iconic. He is one of my favorite parts of Did you know that they did that before? No. I was like, this is some bullshit that I forgot the guy's name because I wanted to Google him to see what he looked like to see if he fits the peeves because I'm I'll I'll try and find like I said, I'm re-listening to the books this year. I've listened to three of them so far. And he's in every single one. He's a disaster in every single one. Well, see, that's what I love about the books versus the movies. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm going to be a total asshole snob here. But if you've watched the movies and you haven't read the books, you're not a real Harry Potter fan. I'm sorry. You're not. Because you a miss a different kind of Harry Potter fan. You miss so much. You miss Peeves. You miss Winky. You miss so much Quidditch stuff. You miss, oh my God, you oh, miss well, the you dragon tattoo. What's his name? His name is Rick Mayall. It's M-A-Y-A-L-L. That's a cool name. <laughs> look at his, look at his just like eyeballs. M-A-Y-L. Oh, he would have been the best peeves. He would have. He really would have. I like that he kind of looks like David Tennant in some of these pictures. Um, I really like how... Oh, they do have footage of him as Peeves. Yeah, we could probably find it. I really like how they they portray Peeves in Hogwarts Legacy, too. I really think that's... So do you think the characters, like, do you think the actors are playing Hogwarts Legacy? Oh, hell yeah. 
I think Tom is playing Hogwarts Legacy and he's like, I don't know, not to, I don't think Tom is because he, I think he's a gamer. He went in a lot that he only watched the movies at the premiere. He hasn't yeah. watched them any other time. But well, why he, he says he's saving himself. them with his children he wants to watch them with his children yep uh tom i'm just gonna tell you right now like uh i wanted to die i need you to have some babies if you need some help with that holler at your girl (laughs) (laughs) i'm not sure your husband would enjoy that i'm pretty sure my husband would also not enjoy that but uh holler at your girl (laughs) um so let's go into the his three kings like that part of oh god I thought you said okay, so I thought you said history kings. That took a second for my brain. Oh, sorry. His three kings, y'all. Before we talk about history kings, we have to talk about why he had them. So, and this this is where I was explaining it last night. Uh Derek. Derek. I was like, he lived a normal life and then mm-hmm. he got accepted into a series and moved to LA. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until he moved to LA that he, he like got there and they're like, um, this car company was like, let's, I'll give you a car for a week. Yeah. I'll, let me give you all these free clothes. Hey, let me pull up in my yellow Lamborghini I'm borrowing and get into a, a nightclub Club. Mm-hmm. or a restaurant that's been booked for months and they automatically, so they, he actually started being treated like a movie star of like mm-hmm. fame started getting to him and he started it was the one time in his life that he stopped making his own decisions and he just got caught up into the fame of yeah LA because I think he I'm sure it's easy to get swept up into that I'm sure yeah I mean I think he said in London he could walk and have a normal um right. like life but he, when he moved to LA he couldn't walk down the street without people like ogling and knowing exactly who he was and Mm -hmm. um it just kind of and I'm sure in London they knew who he was knew who he was as well but English people are a lot more reserved than American people are and I feel like American people get so wrapped up in the hype of oh my god that's someone famous freaking the fuck out and and they we're we're way more aggressive with our yeah entitlement of feeling like people like this character needs to speak to me aggressive is the right word I think I note to all of the people who came up to Tom Felton and asked why he was mean to Harry you're fucking stupid yeah I don't get this tell you you're fucking stupid if you can't separate a movie and a real human being as a grown-ass adult you're a fucking idiot second side note since you're talking about that one of my favorite things was him talking about those people at the beach that he walks up to them and he's oh, like, oh, let's so much second-hand embarrassment. Because he thought that they wanted, what were they, like, Asian tourists? Yes. And, and they, they just wanted... wanted a picture with his surfboard. They didn't I was know so embarrassed. Was. Oh, God. I was, I'm, a, I'm literally embarrassed thinking about it right now. That was awful. That was one of my favorite things. I thought it was so great that he included that to, like, it was a humility thing for himself mm-hmm. and I loved that I thought that was awesome well, but I was I was so fucking embarrassed well throughout this entire book he wasn't afraid to say all the things he did wrong right all the his flaws and I love that too because he didn't try to make himself a better person when he wrote this no. book he's like right this is who I am 
But going back, so he found himself after all this at a, what is it, Bernie's? Was that, um, was it Bernie's? The or bar. Bernie's? The bar. And it was I the only remember, yeah. place that people didn't care who he was. Mm-hmm. And he became a regular there, drinking beer and whiskey and smoking his weed, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did it for months. And that's where he would spend his nights because no one really cared where he was and he felt normal there. Right. And I was so taken back when he thought he got a a big role. Yeah, that hurt and they my Bring him into his the lawyer's office, his manager lawyer. Yeah, the agent's office. And yeah. they see him sitting there and it's an intervention for him. Mm-hmm. And he gets so mad because and i can see why yeah it says all this he's like i don't i'm not shooting myself up with needles i don't smoke crack i don't do anything but he literally hasn't been fully sober in months because of just (laughs) you know the drinking well jade was there his girlfriend um which i you know and i i'm i struggle between so he was very honest for all of the parts of this book that you know made him seem crazy or not crazy but stupid and fun all the he he was raw in most of this book and I feel like to get to the point where you your family thinks that you need an intervention then you have to be kind of going off the rails a little bit or they saw the problem was becoming too much of a problem and wanted to nip it in the bud before it became more of a problem because I didn't think that he had a huge problem well we also are getting his perspective right so right but that's what I'm saying was so raw for most of the book so I struggled to think that he wouldn't tell us he had more of a problem because he was so raw for most of the book when I think that comes into addiction you don't know that you have such a problem yeah and when I when I heard that Jade was still in there at first I was like when he kept saying that it's been months of him going to that bar I was like are they Mm -hmm. not together because I know if my boyfriend was going to a bar every night like my ass wouldn't allow that so where is Jade right and then I I saw myself getting mad at her but I'm pretty sure she told him on multiple occasions yeah come home don't go there but go ahead Amanda that's just what I was wondering in this when th- when things like this happened because he made it seem like it came out of nowhere. Like, right. did she express her feelings before this intervention or did this just come out of nowhere for him? I mean, dealing with my family, I've had to do one of these um, to like my sister. I think to them, they don't listen to yeah. people saying. So I, she probably did. Knowing yeah. Jade and everything you know, at least knowing the Jade that he explained early on in the book, I'm sure as hell she said something and it just didn't come across and he didn't think he had a problem and he just blew it and this was just fine because he didn't think he had a problem. He's And that's what he said. Like, I just drank some whiskey and beers every night and smoked some weed. Like, I don't have a problem. I'm not, I'm not shooting myself up with needles is what, it's kind of what he said. Yeah. But I I really, I I really liked what I think his I think it was his lawyer said you know he said that was the part that really got to me because this man that I really barely even know he said 
the shortest amount of things. And he said, I have been to 13 of these. And I think he said eight of them are already 11. dead. 11 are already dead. Don't be the 12th. And I was just like, right in the soul. Yeah. Right. And I, I feel like I know I have um, a history, not personally, but in my family of severe addiction. And I know it's resulted in suicide for three of the people in my family and literally brother anyway but Alicia I know you have had severe addiction as well and Amanda I don't know if you have experience with that but it's crazy it's it's that was like a stab because it goes from not knowing I have a problem not telling anybody I have a problem to being dead mm-hmm. full stop and then what I also thought was crazy, they let him, wouldn't let him leave. It's like, leave that office now to go to this place. Yes, that was um, aggressive. That that made my heart pound because I felt very, I, I felt how boxed in he felt. I felt nervous and scared and like I was the one going. That is, I feel like that's such how good of a narrator and writer he is that he made me feel like I was going to rehab with him. And then he got there and they did the one night to for him to sober up. And then the he next talks, day he yeah. just decided to start walking because he's like, I don't want to be here. And that whole journey of him walking, I just can't. That is the craziest yeah. story I have ever heard. I'm like, you yeah. know, he did all of this. Alicia texted me and she was like, poor Tom. And my immediate response was, bless his heart. Because, I mean... That was, he, he literally thought people were going to come, he, his words, rugby tackle him to the ground for leaving the rehab center. And he just kept wandering and he jumped the fence and he kept wandering and he like sees the Pacific Coast Highway. And he's like, you know what? The ocean is on the other side of that. That's where I'm going. And I was telling Jake because he wasn't listening to that part with me. And he was like, he fucking walked across the Pacific Coast Highway. Is he insane? I was like, you know what? Miles and miles, dirty, jumping behind bushes. He went into the ocean and was just, I could feel his pain because he was like, I screamed and screamed and tears were pouring down his face while he was in the ocean. His safe place. He he loves the ocean. So I was just like, (laughs) Tom, I'm sorry. And this is where his three kings came in. Mm -hmm. Um, so his first one is when he made it to the first gas station and all he wanted was a a light for a cigarette. Because he's and kept them dry, even though he, he was kept in the them dry. He had three left. Um, and it was uh he said an Indian man who worked at this gas station and he walked in, he's like, No, I don't have a light. And he walks out, and he's like, Okay. And he followed him out. And he's like, Man, are you okay? And he said, Do you just have water? And he lets him go in and get a, a water, the biggest, the biggest water, thing of water, yeah. And he comes out and he says he sees him open his wallet and goes to give him his last twenty dollars, his last mm-hmm. cash in his in his wallet, and says, "I'm not a rich man. I don't have a lot of money. Like, like I don't have a lot of money, but I am a rich man because I have a family. I have my wife, and I have my kids, and I have a happy life." Are um, you a rich man? Are you a rich man? Another and stab he, right to my damn heart. And he laughs because he's like, "I'm a millionaire, dude." Mm-hmm. Um. But inside, he said, no, I'm not, because I don't have any of that. Yeah. And he did. It was just in London. His, his parents, his brothers. But he didn't feel like, you know, he right. at that time, he didn't he have any so of that. so far away. 
And then this dude keeps walking mm-hmm. miles. To another gas station. To his next king. Who's going to take the next king? I'll do it. Remember? Okay, go. It was an Uber driver. He knocked on the window. And the Uber driver was like, can you book on your phone? And Tom was like, I don't have my phone. <laughs> like, I don't have any money. I don't have my phone. Can, I have like, I have this $20. Can you just take me as far as this $20 will go? And the guy tells him to get in the car. And he says, where are you going? And he tells him the bar, Bernie's or whatever it was called. Yeah. And now I really need to go there in real life. Um, but he's like, okay, like, I'll take you. And he's like, you don't have to take me the whole way. You don't have to just take me as far as my money will go. And I'll walk the rest of the way. It's fine. But the guy takes him the whole way and doesn't charge him any money. Let's him keep the 20. And he, Tom says, you know, to this day, I don't know who this man is. And I hope he reads this book. I hope this man reads this book and knows how much of an impact he made on Tom's life. That, that he is one, one of, the of three his kings. kings. That he knows how much of an impact he made on a struggling, drowning man's life. Because that was incredible to me. So he gets the Bernies and then he sees his friend, the bouncer, who's bouncer. like, oh, we haven't seen you along in a while like a few days and he's mm-hmm. like you can get one last one before we close up because it was like one in the morning by this time right well and you told him he looked like shit yeah and he goes in and i this this moment was profound for me mm-hmm. where they instantly put his drink on the bar and then he walks up to it sees it and then backs away completely out of the bar and i was like oh this is an epiphany moment yes <laughs> and it then it really was Man, you want to take the third king? Me? Yeah. I Did you go out for a minute because I was talking oh, okay. about the child. It's, so the, it's, it's the bouncer, right? The, the bouncer. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. bouncer because, okay, so the bouncer takes him home, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's like, you, 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 he's like, like Where, where's your car? Where, where's your... And he's like, where's your car? Where's your, you have no yeah. money? You have no car? And, like, no. and he takes him home. And then they yeah. sit. And he tells him the whole story. Mm-hmm. How long does he stay there? I think like a few days. Right? It's a while. I think it's, it's a, a few days or I think it's a few days. But that's when he he comes to the conclusion that he, he's not in love with Jade anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and he calls her and tells her and they were all talking. They were all looking for him at this point, the cops and yeah. everybody and. He's, when I they cry together, he and Jade, because their yeah. relationship is over. And, and she's very happily married now. And I'm, you know, I love that for her because I looked her up and I, I mean, she's beautiful. And it kills me that he doesn't have children yet because he wants them. And he's our age, right? He is. I think he's one so year 30, older than us. He's the yeah. yeah. husband's age. Yeah. 35. Yeah. But I just, I don't know. I loved it. And then I love that he admitted like that, that rehab place wasn't the place for him because it's more medic- mm-hmm. medical, medical like, and so he checked himself in. He did. He went to another one, but of course he broke the rules and got himself kicked out because he's trying to mack on some other chick in rehab. <laughs> yeah. Tom. You, and he was Alex. so upset about it. Um, but he, I like that he found like a more spiritual rehab. Yeah, that's a good word. I, spiritual. I him better. And he but yeah, he gets caught in some girl's room. Yeah. 
<laughs> but even after he got kicked out, he was like, I'm still going to volunteer at the boardwalk because what are they going to do? They can't they gonna stop me. Tell me I'm, I can't volunteer. And then What's he your- meets his friend mm-hmm. who like teaches him this whole like holistic style of living, talking Which to I the eagles, whatever. And this is where this is, I now know how I see Tom now mm-hmm. based on, it's funny because you, you know, you see him on social media and you're like, when did he become yeah. such a hippie? You know, like yeah, I've always thought he, of him as a hippie. Just I have to. <laughs> yeah. But you can see how he, like his life experience yes. has brought him here. Yeah. I, I know in my head, when I think of Tom, I think he was a skater boy. He said to me, <laughs> that is Tom right there. I, because I just see him on the boardwalk in California on his skateboard and in his playing his guitar right so chill smoking a joint relaxing you know I just I do I feel like he's so laid back and calm and cool and he's who he is without the constant pressure of the media he he's just it kind of slides off his back do you want to touch on the last like main part that he he said in the book? Which one? His mental health. Oh fuck yeah. I love mental health, okay? This is a huge thing for me. It is uh, an insane thing for me because I struggle with my mental health and I think honestly all adults struggle with our mental health. It's just a certain level of how you were raised um the way society portrays it. It's different for men because society thinks men need to be strong and need to be silent and don't cry. And we're working on that. Okay. Like honestly props to millennials because we have really worked really hard on, on working through our mental health and and the trauma of everything that we have gone through without shoving it all down. So it, you know, explodes. That's not fun, but he, he does. He, he says how important mental health is and it's insanely important. I know you guys saw that I was in Colorado over, it was last weekend for me, this will air after that, but I was struggling. I was in a bad spot. I needed some help and my husband could see I was struggling and it's okay to struggle. And he said, buy a ticket, go see your girl. You're going to do it right now. And it's going to make, you know, it's going to help your mental health. And I was like, perfect. It's so important to have somebody in your life. And especially as a girl, I feel like as a mom, as a wife, we have to kind of be forced sometimes into doing things that are good for us into refilling our own cup before we fill up everybody else's cup. Um, but I love that he put such an emphasis. That's to me, that is what the entire book felt about after I finished the book, the entire book felt like it was all encompassing of mental health and growth and being a human and becoming who you're meant to become. And that sometimes it's shitty to get there. Sometimes it's really fucking shitty to get where you need to be. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes people have to shove you through the door, kicking and screaming because we don't want to grow up. Who fucking wants to grow up? One of my favorite things he said at the end, and he's like, some days I don't know which version of Tom I will wake up with. And I'm not afraid to like, if I need help to then get it, he's like, I might wake up and I'm not okay that day. And I don't want to get out of the bed all day. I don't want to get out of the bed all day. 
Mm -hmm. Um, and I think this is something that like, especially from a man and a man that's like, Mm well-known, this is stuff that people struggle with. You don't know how you're gonna, that, and that's mental health, right? Like, well, I I don't like the word powerful, but you know, since you referenced well-known, I don't, he has influence. Yeah. He has money. He does have power in a world where money is power, but he still thinks it's important to get that help. And he's not like, oh, I'm, you know, oh man, I'm well off. I'm, well, you I know, that's it. one reason why I love Adrian Young so much because she puts out her mental health and she's a like, one of my favorite authors all the time. Mm-hmm. And I love that transparency, but seeing it from Draco Malfoy, right? Yeah. I think that's very powerful because it's um, empowering, I think. Mm-hmm. And you know, and you know, I, this past year struggled really hard. I've always had to be the responsible one, the the one that's in control of everything. So when yeah. I went through mental health problems, um, you know, this past fall, I felt it was really, I, it was hard for me to say I wasn't in control, that I, I didn't have right. my shit together, that I was losing it. And to lean on somebody else because we feel like it's our job. So I, I don't know. I really like that last like chapter, that last 30 minute chapter where he says, you don't know. And he's not afraid to, I think he like said, like check himself in. Right. Like, because mm-hmm. he, he says that two of his brothers had to be checked into mental, mental health places yes, in their so life. And I think it, I don't know if he's like saying that at one time he also had to, um, but I just, I don't know. I really yeah, like the fact. Thing. I think, yeah, he, I think, yeah. Just really like the fact that he's like, you don't, I don't know which Tom I'll get, you know, and that's, that's okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought that I was like, whoa, dude, yeah. like that, like, cool. It's yeah. a struggle. <laughs> it is. It's a struggle when you, when you wake up in the morning and you don't know if you're going to be at a high, high or low low like that's really hard but it's normal guys like I understand that sometimes you think you're in a shitty 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 place and sometimes we are sometimes our brains are just like fuck everything fuck off I hate life being adult sucks balls I would like a refund (laughs) I would like a refund every fucking day okay but that's okay it's okay to feel bad it's okay to let yourself accept those emotions and wallow in them sometimes you can't wallow in them forever because that's not the life you want to live that's not the life that you want for you or anybody around you but if you need to get a fucking pint of ice cream and watch Gilmore Girls the entire fucking day take a mental health day let's just hope that it's Rupert Grant that comes through with his with ice, the ice cream, cream? <laughs> I love him he's such a weirdo nerd and I love it so much so much like Ron was like one of the re- the Weasleys were just my favorite. So Juan, mm-hmm. Ron was Juan. Juan. <laughs> okay, Lavender. Well, <laughs> when came out. Ron uh, uh, was like one of my favorites. He just pissed me off um, half the time. So yeah, he probably but, pissed me off half the time because that's who I'd be. What? I'm a fucking asshole. I don't know. I just I really enjoyed this. I like. I'm not a big autobiography reader listener yeah. or whatever but this, you, that was my first one really my first one too yeah really yeah that makes me so happy i love autobiographies now so i gotta this, do prince harry's next i only got was, halfway through that and then i stopped oh no 
No. I want every single one. I want Rupert Grint to do one. I want Emma Watson to do one. I want Dan. All of them to do one because I want to know each one of their, like, yeah, Daniel Radcliffe to do one. But um, they all have to narrate it too because I yeah. love Oh, absolutely. 100%. I will pay so much money to hear Emma Watson audio book her own book. Oh, yeah. I, I will pay, like, girl, to, I don't pay a bunch of money for books, okay? Because I'm a cheap ass. I know. I will pay $50 for that. <laughs> Why are audiobooks so freaking expensive, man? Uh, I do credits. I don't know, like, shout out to uh, MX Platinum. Uh, if you have an MX Platinum and you didn't know about this perk, um, Audible, you can pay for the Audible subscription with your card and MX will give you the credit for the cost. So you're really not paying for it and you get one credit per month. Yeah. This is not a paid advertising but that is what I do. And so I, get <laughs> I have Audible, but one book a month is not enough. So I bought this one because it, I used my credit on another one. <laughs> That's where I use my Libby app with my two uh, library cards to listen to I just get so annoyed with audio with the library because it's like, you have a six-week wait. And I'm like, no, I don't. Bye. Click. I'm terrible. I'm not waiting that long. If it's something I really want, I'm not fucking waiting that long. Okay, I'm not doing it. I'm terrible. I'd rather have a book than a coffee. Um, is he is he still acting? This is the one question. Is he still acting? Let me I I M D B him. I know I was I gonna yes. Is the borrowers the borrowers that I'm thinking of, like that I have on VHS and watched as yes. a kid? It's the borrowers movie. Cause now yes. I need to watch that so yes. that I can see him in it because I used to watch that movie a lot as a kid, but mm-hmm. I don't remember it anymore. Okay, so the last thing he was in was in 2022, and it's called Burial. Oh, so he uh, is still acting. Yes, he was in A Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting in 2020. Oh, yeah, I watched that. Yeah, that the- one's fun. Wait, I watched-, watched that. He's in that? Yeah, he's the creepy monster thing. Yeah. Okay, um, I gotta rewatch that. He was in uh, Canyon Del Muerto. In 2022, Save the Cinema in 2022, A Tale of Two Mindsets. I think these are all more British films. What is this clip clip of him with George Washington hair at the top? What movie is that? (laughs) That's a good question. Next question. I don't know. Breaking the Whales, huh? What the heck is that? Oh, it's called. Oh, that's old. Um, Origin, James Arthur, Empty Space. Oh, yeah, he was in The Flash for a while. I remember that. He was good in The Flash. In the show? Sergeant Andrew Dean in the Megan Levy movie. I didn't know that. Stratton, A United Kingdom, A Message for the King. See, I want to see these more British films that he's he's in because, you know. So he's not in too, too much. No. Um, I think he would be so amazing in, like, period pieces. Well, that's what this. So the one of him with the George Washington hair is called Bell. It's from. I see that one now. Yeah, that's fuck. That was so long ago. Jesus, that was ten years ago. I know. Totally. I totally when forgot did, he was in Planet of the Apes. When the fuck did we? I forgot him? until he said it. Yeah. Ooh, Matthew Good. Okay, Bell, the biracial daughter. Dido Elizabeth Bell, it might be Dido, it's D-I-D-O, but I think it's Dido, unsure, of Royal Navy Captain Sir John Lindsay, who is Matthew Good, who plays um, in Downton Abbey, and he plays in Discovery of Witches. 
is raised by aristocratic great uncle Lord William Murray, first Earl of Mansfield, Tom Wilkinson in 18th century England. Oh, I have to watch that today. It says inspired by a true story. I have to watch that today. That sounds amazing. That is my jam right there. Did you guys watch Emma Watson in Noah? I never watched that. No. The I think I've watched Noah. Like Noah, like Noah, Noah's Ark. Yeah, I think I've watched it. It was okay. Yeah, I'm not really into that kind of movie, I guess. No. Look at your dog. She looks like a horse. I know. What up, Derek? Anyway. I don't know what you're talking about. I gotta wrap it up. That is what he said. <laughs> you're welcome. Okay, so guys, thanks for tuning in today. And, and you know, check in with yourself about your mental health. Check in with other people about their mental health if you need to. It's super important. It's uh, it's pretty pivotal in our daily lives. And I feel like we're the generation to break that, you know, to break the stigma on mental health. We got this. Um, Check us out on Instagram at the, ter- the Territorial Fave Podcast. <laughs> Wasn't me this time. <laughs> right, it was me. Uh, check out the link at the top. We're on Facebook as well. Uh, check us out on any podcast platform that you have we are available there and until next time happy listening